But I had to title this. It's called O Sleeper. O Sleeper. Many of you are probably thinking, what is he about to say? One of the problems we have in the church today is sleeping Christians. Ones that are completely unaware of what's going on around them. One thing that we cannot do is sleep. Jesus came back from praying in the garden and found the disciples asleep. They were asleep. Jesus went to go pray earnestly, and he told them, we'll talk about it in a minute, he told them to watch and pray, and he comes back, and there they are, asleep. Today, we're going to read about a prophet of God who fell asleep in the boat running from God. We're going to talk about Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God, prophet of the Lord. And Jonah, he was a prophet during the time of the reign of Jeroboam. He was a, a prophet to the, to the ten northern tribes of Israel. And so he got commanded, God spoke to him and said, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. I've got something I want you to do. Now, we talk about Nineveh, and as we, as we did the Jonah series in the back with the children, we did the VeggieTales with it. And so if you watch VeggieTales and you watch the part about Jonah, they call the Ninevites fish slappers. I'll never forget that. The kids loved it. But Nineveh, Nineveh was founded by Nimrod, which was the great-grandson great of Noah. This, this city was known for its wickedness. This city was known for its cruelty. This city was known for doing things that are so inhumane. Right? They killed people who, who talked about the Lord. They killed people just to kill people. I mean, they did terrible things. I mean, literally terrible things to people. And so here Jonah is, a prophet of the Lord. And we know that in these times that God would use these prophets, these men. He would speak to these men, and the men would speak to the people. Right? He says, thus says the Lord. And now when we say, thus says the Lord, we better be making sure that the Lord is saying it. Right? Because we need to understand what the Lord is speaking. So God commanded Jonah. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah probably have heard about Nineveh. He probably knew about what the Ninevites did to people. And so here it is. We're going to open up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to read down to verse 6. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what Jonah did. We're going to talk about the very... Now, we won't go through the whole book. But if you want to go through the whole book, it's a great story. I encourage, I, you know, I encourage that you go and read it. Now, if I was a prophet of the Lord, and I had the chance for my name and my book to be put in God's Word, I would make sure at all possible that I could change the ending to a better ending than what Jonah had. If you watch an action movie or, or some kind of hero movie, it's always got a great ending, right? It's always got a great ending. But Jonah's, the ending of Jonah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily end like you think it would. But let's stand up, and we're going to open up God's Word. If you have your uh, copy with you, Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Notice it says the great city. He's not talking about great and good. He's not saying, hey, this is a good city. You're going to go out there and you're going to have a good time. No, he's talking about great in size. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, okay? It was a great city. So he's calling, he's calling him to arise, go to that great city, and cry against it. Preach against it. Their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. 
from the presence of the Lord. And he went down. Notice he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare thereof and went, here it is again, down into him to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every uh, and they cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the, um, the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone, here it is, down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that he would remember us, that we perish not. Father, we come to you again. God, help us this morning. God, I can only do this through the precious guiding and the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, use this time to glorify you. God, may we do everything in word and deed, singing, preaching. May it all bring glory to your Son, Jesus Christ. For you are worthy. God, we ask, you that, we ask that you help us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Listen, we're going to go through five things this morning, five points. So we'll probably finish up right before the next service starts. I'm just kidding. Listen, we're going to go through five things this morning. If you, uh, They didn't have enough time to, uh, to get the notes on the Bible app if you use the Bible app. So if you want to write these down, you can. But number one is this. Sleeping Christians like to distance themselves among the church. Listen to Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish. From, from, notice he's going from, from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid a fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Listen, many Christians, many times Christians are asleep. Now, keep in mind when I say asleep, I'm talking about uh, a, a not attentive, not alert. They're inactive, okay? And so when you read about Jonah being asleep, he was physically asleep. But we're talking about a slumber state, an inactive state when we're talking about this right here. Listen, Jonah went to where no one would bother him, kind of out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes Christians feel like if we just get out of sight and we get out of mind, we'll be okay. There was a time that I wish I was out of sight, out of mind. I was walking through Piggly Wiggly. I, would, uh, I had just joined the church here. And I was going in there. I hadn't been saved yet, but I was coming to church. But then I figured I wanted to go get some alcohol. So I picked up a case of beer and began to walk around with it. And guess who walked into the store? Steve Abney. And at that moment, I wish I would have been out of sight, out of mind. But he made a beeline straight towards me. And I just tried to avoid him and go around. But sometimes Christians feel like if they're out of sight, out of mind, everything will be okay because when we get around people who are going to church, who are in fellowship with the Lord, they begin to what? They begin to tell the people who are outside the fellowship that, hey, you need to come back in or maybe what you're doing is not what you should be doing or maybe you should change this or let me pray for you or how can I help you? And a lot of people don't want to deal with that. A lot of people don't want to hear that stuff. Listen, I've bumped into people in the store in and around this area. I haven't even said anything about church. Didn't even, even ask them anything. And they're like, well, you, you know, Andrew, we've been wanting to come up there, and we just, we just, we've been, you know, we've been doing this, and we've had ball, and we've gone here, and, you know, I, we're going to come, I think we're going to sign up. I didn't even say nothing about it. It's automatically a conviction because they see somebody from church, they begin to explain and give you reasons why they're not in church. 
That's obvious right there because they're making up every kind of excuse. What happens is sometimes people just want to distance themselves from the people of God. But not only do they want to distance themselves from the people of God, more than that, they want to distance themselves from God. This is the opposite of what God has called us to do. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light show, so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. Listen, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, let me tell you something. We are not, we learned this in, as, as little kids, we're not to put our light under a bushel. Hide it under a bushel? No. Let it shine, this little light of mine. It's the same way as adults. God's called us to step out into a dark world and to be the light for the lost and dying world. Amen. People need the hope of Christ. People need the hope that we have. The Bible says that we must be always ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. We must not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So this world needs that more than anything. But many of us have taken that light and they've covered it up. Listen, we're the salt of the earth. We're to help people be preserved by sharing the gospel with them. Help people be thirsty and want more and more and more of Jesus. God has not called us to sit. He has called us to go. Nowhere in the Bible have I read where God has saved someone. He said, you sit right here and you stay here. No, God says, go out into the nations. Go out into the people. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Go. Go, therefore, out into the people because they need what we have. Listen, children should bring honor to their earthly father. Sons, daughters should honor their father's name. It's no different spiritually. Listen, if we understand what God has done to us, listen, he has taken a Gentile, a Gentile, a non-Jew, and he has allowed me to come into the family of God. He has taken me and grafted me into that olive tree. He has allowed me to inherit his kingdom. He has adopted me to be sons and daughters of him. And so I should live my life to bring glory to him. I should honor my heavenly father's name. Everything that I do should honor him. That's the same way that we should be every single day. Listen, God has called us and commissioned us to bring glory to his name by the way we live our life. Listen, I get not everybody is called to stand on a stage and preach from a pulpit. I get that. But everybody is called to stand on the word of God. We're to call to stand on the word of God. Stand true, stand fast, hold on to that profession of faith that we have, amen. And listen, we ought to honor the Word of God and every word that's written therein. Therefore, we should do what God has called us to do. We should go out and tell people about Christ. We shouldn't distance ourselves among people of God. I am so thankful. Listen, I am so thankful. Apart from Christ saving me and entering into my life, I am so thankful for the church. Let me tell you something. I love Jesus, and I also love his bride. I love the church. I love the church. There's been times where we have needed people. There's been times where we were down. There's been times when my children were born. There's been times where we've had things happen to our family, and the church was there. The church was there. Many of you can testify to the same thing. Thank God we have the church, amen. But God has not called us to go out and wander away from the church and the people of God. We're to be more than hearers of the word. 
We're to be doers of the word. Listen, people think that they can walk in here on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday, and just hear the message. And then they walk out no different than they were when they walked in. They walk in, they walk out. But see, the Bible has called us to be more than hearers of the word. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. We know that. But the Bible says you've got to put action to your faith. You've got to put footsteps to your faith. You've got to be doers of the word of God. And to be able to be doers of the Word of God means we've got to be in fellowship with God and fellowship with God's people. We shouldn't hide out or be on, a, uh, be on a bench and be a bench warmer. God did not save you to sit in that chair for the rest of your life. God did not save you to sit in the pew for the rest of your life. He did not do that. Jonah was running from the Lord. He wanted away from everything, and he even wanted away from God. And how many of you know that you cannot run from God? You can outrun your sins. You cannot outrun God. You cannot run from your problems. You cannot do it. The Bible says that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. You're not going to outsmart God. You're not going to one-up God. If anything, he's, he's way ahead of us. Matter of fact, he's already in tomorrow. He's already in next year. He knows what's going to happen, so we must understand the kind of God that we're dealing with, the sovereignty, the mercy, and the just God that we're dealing with. Listen, sleep is good for our bodies, but let me tell you something. It does not cause our problems to go away. This message is not about sleeping and how you shouldn't sleep. Everybody needs sleep. It's talking about being in a slumber, inactive state of mind as a Christian. Number two, sleeping Christians will sleep through a storm. Jonah verse one, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, and so that the ship was like to be broken. Here's a mighty storm going on, a storm so bad that it was about to sink the ship. Now, I have been in Gunnerville when a storm blew across, and they're out in the main channel. You think you're about to die. You're in Gunnerville, and they're whitecapping, and you're trying to get over there in that little boat, and you're thinking, this ain't good. But listen, here Jonah is on the sea, and the ship is being rocked every which way. They think that it's about to break. That's pretty bad. Jonah's asleep. Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat. Listen, many Christians are in such a slumber that they are unaware of the chaos that is going on around them. They are completely unaware of things that are happening in and around their life. Many Christians have resorted to things like alcohol and pills and other worldly things to help suppress the things and the storms in their life. Not against medication, but listen... When you take alcohol and you take pills to try to suppress the storms and the issues in their life, they're just going to keep coming back. And what, what's going to happen is you're going to keep building upon those storms and you're going to cause more problems. God's not called us to mask our problems with worldly substance. He's called us to deal with our problems through the grace and the mercy and the goodness that he has offered through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, to be alert, be attentive, be sober, be vigilant. We ought not want to have those things in our life if we're using them for the wrong reason. Man, I, I, the last message I preached was about storms and about God's uh, about suffering and God's glory. Listen, that's one thing we're going to deal with as Christians is storms and struggles. You may not be on a physical boat, but you may feel like you're on a boat that's about to go down. Many Christians, I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 through 41 says, And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them, what? Asleep. And he said unto Peter, Could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He told his disciples, he said, sit right here. We know when they went into the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus uh, was, was, was captured, they went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. This is at the very same moment that Jesus began to pray sorrowful. We know that the Bible says that Jesus was a man acquainted with grief. And so here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and his sweat became as great drops of blood. That's called hemotidrosis. It's a real-life medical condition. What happened is his, his uh, pores begin to open up in the sweat glands, and the blood began to mix, and it began to sweat blood. And so here he is over there praying sorrowfully, and his disciples are asleep. He told them to watch and to pray, and that word watch, to give a strict attention to, to be cautious, to be active. We ought to be active and paying attention to what's going on around us. In our homes, in our lives, in our children, in our community, we ought to pay attention to the things that are going on in and around our lives. Listen, the disciples were asleep just like Jonah was. The whole time his disciples were asleep, Jesus was praying sorrowfully. Jesus came back a third time and said, Sleep on, son. The Son of Man has been portrayed into the hands of sinners. He come back a third time. He's like, You know what? Y'all just, just keep sleeping. Don't worry about it. I'm fixing to be portrayed into the hands of sinners. I'm fixing to give my life as a ransom for the whole world. I'm fixing to shed blood that you may have remissions of your sin. All those sacrifices in the Old Testament led up to this ultimate sacrifice. But y'all just, just sleep on. It's good. That's kind of what Jesus said. That's my terminology. Are we going to be found sleeping? We must be alert and aware of what's going on. Listen, some of you in here, many of you in here have kids. Young, old, teenagers, we must be aware of what's going on in their life. Because I'm pretty sure we're all aware that we live in a fallen world. More wicked than it's ever been. And so we need to pay attention to what's going on in our life. We need to pay attention to what's going on in our own lives, in our own marriage, in our own homes. We do. We need to pay attention. I'm not the best at it, but we need to focus on what's going on. We need to be watchful and pray. We need to be looking and waiting for these opportunities to share Christ or to open up the door and to share the hope that we have within us. Listen, are we going to just continue to sleep while our family and our friends are dying and going to hell? Listen, we get so comfortable. We get so comfortable in our life as a Christian that we become complacent. And we look around and we're like, well, you know what? At least I'm saved. Well, at least I'm saved. What if the person who shared the gospel with you, or what if the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or the person said, well, you know what, old Andrew, I ain't worried about him. He's an alcoholic. He's a drug addict. He's fornicating. He's doing all these things. Well, at least I'm saved. I'm going to waste my time. What if someone said that about you? But no, someone opened up the door and shared the greatest news they've ever shared with you. His name is Jesus Christ. And you understood by God opening up your heart that he is the one who died for your sins, who could take your sins away for all of eternity, and you accepted that by faith. And now you become son or a daughter of Christ, co-heir to the kingdom of God. Why? Because someone was faithful in what God called him to do. See, God called Jonah to go out and preach to Nineveh. He said, go and preach to them because of their wickedness has come up before me. See, God wanted to do something in the lives of the, uh, of the Ninevites. 
And it doesn't matter how wicked we think they are. God can move upon anybody, amen. Let me tell you something. We look at the people that live across on the other side of the world, and we're thinking, man, those people are wicked. They kill Christians. They do this. They do that. They do that. But let me tell you something. Just as God moved on us, God can move on them. But it takes somebody going over there, standing up on the Word of God, being faithful, being true to God's calling on their life, and sharing the message of hope with them. Just as we should go do with our neighbor and our friends and our family. We must know that the devil is walking around seeking who he may devour. He loves, he absolutely loves a sleeping Christian. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Sleepy Christian. I like that. Sleepy Christian. Let me shout in thy ears. Thou art sleeping while souls are being lost. Sleeping while men are being damned. Sleeping while hell is being peopled. Sleeping while Christ is being dishonored. Sleeping while the devil is grinning at thy sleepy face. Sleeping while demons are dancing around thy slumbering carcass. And telling it in hell like Christian is telling it in hell that a Christian is asleep. You will never, listen to this, you will never catch the devil asleep. Let not the devil catch you asleep. Watch, be sober, that you may always be up to do your duty. He said, you'll never catch the devil asleep. Man, he's walking around seeking who he may devour. He's looking for those Christians who are slumbering, who are distanced themselves from God, who has distanced themselves from the people of God, who's disconnected from the church. They're in a slumber. They're in an inactive state. And bam, he prays on them. What happens to a sheep when it wanders off? Listen, sheep are the dumbest animal on the planet. They cannot operate by themselves. They have to have a shepherd. Right? And that shepherd leads him to the still waters, leads them to the green pastures. But if a shepherd, listen, or if a sheep goes out away from the shepherd, it is vulnerable. Listen, it wanders into that valley where it's dark, where there's clefts, there's, there's all this stuff. And those animals, they hide and they wait till that lonely sheep comes through and bam, it's over. Because they've separated themselves from the fold. They separated themselves from the, uh, the, the, the shepherd. That's why God said he is our ultimate shepherd. He leads us and he guides us to still waters and green pastures. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil because I rod and our staff are with me. Thy comfort me. Thou anointest with my head with oil. Surely my cup runneth over. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We have a shepherd in Jesus. We have someone that's leading and guiding with a shepherd staff who will protect the people and they will keep us away from the adversary, the devil. When we understand that, he brings us into the fold and he protects us. And what is he shielding away? The enemy, the wickedness, and the evilness. But when you separate, thank God, we have a Savior that says he'll lead the 99 and go get the one. Amen. But when you separate yourself from God, you're vulnerable to attacks from the devil, and from the world. Church, are we going to be sleeping when the bridegroom returns? When Christ returns, are you going to be found asleep? Number three, sleeping Christians sleep during prayer meetings. Jonah chapter 1 verse 5 says, The mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Notice that little g God, the non-existence God. And cast forth the wares that they were in the ship into the sea. To lighten it of them. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship. And he lay and he was fast asleep. Man, it, it, the Bible didn't say he was asleep. It said he was a fast asleep. That's good sleeping. 
Sometimes I wish I could have that fast asleep. Sometimes I wish I could go to sleep fast. Jonah was in the bottom of the boat, fast asleep. The Bible says that every man cried unto his God. While the, sailors, while the sailors, the mariners were on top of the deck crying out to their God, Jonah, the one with the true relationship with the God who created the heavens and who created the earth, the ultimate supreme God, God Almighty, he had a relationship with him, and Jonah was in the bottom asleep. They needed Jonah at this time. They were up there having a prayer meeting to their God, their little G God. They were crying out to their God, hey, save us, help us, do whatever you can. But what they didn't know, their God was non-existent. Their God could not hear them. Their God could not answer them. Their God could not help them because their God was not there. The one God they needed, who Jonah had a relationship with, he was down there asleep. They needed Jonah to be up there in that prayer meeting. Listen, how many times have you been the only one in a situation around people who have a true, and you're the only one with a true relationship with God? You find yourself in a moment where people are doing ungodly things or they're doing wicked things or evil things, and you find yourself, you are the only true person in that situation or in that room or whatever you call it with a true relationship with Christ. You have the hope and the message that they need. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, Praying. Always, always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And that watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Listen, he says, Paul says in Ephesians that praying always, we should always be praying. Everything we do, we should pray. Jesus told disciples to watch and pray. It's no different in our lives today. We should watch. We should pray. We should watch. We should pray. We should get up in the morning and pray. We should pray throughout the day. We should pray in the noontime. We should pray in the evening. We should pray over our lives. We should pray over our children. Pray over our marriage. Pray over our homes. Pray over our community. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the deacons. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. More than anything else we need to do as Christians, we need to pray. I believe the church needs a prayer, a prayer, a prayer revival, prayer class or whatever it is because we need to get back to the heart of worship. We need to get back to prayer. We need prayer in our lives. We've gotten away from praying to a God who says, I'm always here. I've never left you nor have I forsaken you. Pray always with prayer and supplication. Here are, here are the sailors the, that are in desperate need of help and mercy, and they're crying out to their God who is non-existent. But like I said, they needed Jonah. They needed Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. They needed Jonah at this moment. Matter of fact, Jonah was the reason they're going through this. But they needed Jonah. But Jonah was asleep, fast asleep. How many times have we are found slum How many times are we found slumbering when other, others are in need of the hope of Christ? Listen, I have been in situations that I have walked away thinking, I have bombed that. God had laid something on me, opened up the door for an opportunity, and I didn't do it. It's no different than Jonah running from God. That's disobedience. That is disobedience. Listen, let me tell you something. When you are disobedient from God, when you are running from God, there's only one way to go, and that's down. Jonah went down. To Tarshish. He went down in the bottom of the ship. He went down into the water. He went down in the fish's belly. He went down, down, down because he was being disobedient and he was running from God. There's no other way to go when you're running from God but down. That's what happened to Jonah. 
He was running from God. It's no different when God lays on your heart and says, that person needs to hear the message of hope. That person needs to hear the gospel message. You need to pray for that person. But when we reject it and we walk away from it, we are no different than Jonah. And we talk about Jonah, oh, how wicked he is and how evil he is and he wouldn't do this. We're no different. Many times I've been disobedient to God when he's called me to do something. I've walked away, and I have missed an opportunity. Listen, in Ezekiel it says this, if we don't sound the trumpet, if we don't warn the people of the wrath that is to come, their blood will be on our hand. But if we share it with them, we sound the trumpet, we share the love of Christ with them, and they reject it. They didn't reject us. That's what, uh, uh, the, uh, that's what the Lord said to Samuel. Samuel, they're not rejecting you, buddy. They're rejecting me. Their blood is not on our hands. We need to be more effective in witnessing and telling other people about Christ. And I'm talking to myself, too. I do. It's easy to come into the church and sit in these four walls with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But what we need to do out there when we're in the ball field, basketball court, the gas stations, the food worlds. I don't even know if food world's alive anymore. Walmarts. I went way back on that one. Listen, I don't, even, I don't know. But we need to be more effective in our witnessing to people. I don't know if you realize this, but we're living close to the end times. Times are perilous. And I believe that we are closer now than ever than Jesus to call his bride home. I believe. I truly believe it with all my heart. I believe that he's getting ready. He's getting ready. When that time comes, that's it. What have we done as Christians? Have we sat in a church and saturated ourselves with preaching? For just all this time and never witnessed, never shared a testimony. Listen, when I got called to preach and Steve said, do you want to preach? I said, yeah. He said, well, when do you want to preach? I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. He said, well, just get you a message and let me know. Well, six months later, I had a message. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know a whole lot. He said, well, you know what you need to do? I said, well, what's that, brother? He said, you need to get up there and tell them what you know. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I'll never forget I stood up here, and I preached the Word of God. I talked about the armor of God. I didn't, I didn't know nothing. I knew the text that I had studied. I knew Jesus had saved me and called me to preach, and that's all I knew. Even before that, I would go and share my testimony with people, how God brought me out of alcohol, and God brought me out of uh, pain pill addiction. That's all I knew. But through the grace and mercy and goodness of God, He's allowed me to grow and mature in the Word of God. And He's showed me much more that I can share with people. I don't know it all. I'm far from knowing it. I never will know it all. I'm still right here. But God's allowed me to have what I need to share with people. You have a story, friends. You have a story. And people want to hear it. But your story should always point to His story. And about what He's done in your life. Listen, number four, sleeping Christians, uh, sleeping Christians sleep when work needs to be done. Jonah chapter 1 verse 5, the mariners were afraid and they cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he laid and was fast asleep. Listen, the sailors were trying to fix the problem on their own. They were up there. They were trying to take all the stuff, all the things that they had on that ship. And they were like, well, we'll just throw them overboard, and maybe we'll keep this thing from sinking. Amen. And listen, there was work going on up there, and they were trying to do what they could to fix the problem. We know about a man named uh, Abraham that tried to fix the problem too, right? It didn't work out too good for him, right? 
He went with Hagar. We got Ishmael. And then all of a sudden, Ishmael turned in. Then we got the, uh, not the Israelite, but we got Islam and all these other faiths that come against Christianity. It's called God tried, um, Abraham tried to work in his own way. But God says, no, you wait on me. You wait on me. And in my timing, it will be right. And when it found like there was, when it looked like there was no other hope. Listen, y'all are 99, 100 years old. There's no way you can have a baby. God says, watch this. I'll work when it seems like it's going to be impossible. Listen, they were up there trying to fix the problems themselves. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then said unto his disciples, listen, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. In verse 38 of chapter 9 of Matthew says, But pray therefore the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Listen, Jesus was looking out, and he said, listen, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The people who need to do the work of God are few. Jonah, again, was nowhere to be found. He was asleep. He was fast asleep. They're up there trying to save their lives. They cried out to their God. Obviously, their God didn't hear them. I think we know why their God didn't hear them, because there was no God. The uh, prophets of Baal cried out to their God, and nothing happened. Amen. There was Jonah asleep. As some Christians today, work needs to be done in the church. Things need to be done in the church. Ministries need to be fulfilled. And things and areas and things in church need to be done. But these Christians have distanced themselves. They're in a state of slumber. They're in a state of inactiveness. And they're not doing it. When God has called you to bring you into the family of God and bring you into the ministry of the Lord and has a place for you. Everybody has a place. It's not like, well... Andrew, sorry, man, you didn't make the team. I'm just going to set you over here. Wes, Ashley, Drew, y'all come on. It's not, it doesn't operate like that. When God brings you into his family, he has a place fit for you. Bless God, we have a ministry in the kitchen. Amen. These women can cook up a storm. They can serve your heart, but they can also minister to you by their love and affectionness. And listen, there is a place for you to serve. You can sling a hammer, you can sling a nail, you can preach, you can pray, you can do anything. You can paint, you can teach children, you can change diapers, whatever it may be. You can press buttons in the back. God can use you. God can use you. God can even use you as you clean this place up every day. God has a place for you that he wants you to serve in his ministry. Jesus told the disciples there's plenty of harvest, but the labors are few. Listen, there is no shortage of lost people, but there is a vast shortage of Christians. Well, how do you know that, Andrew? Because not everybody's saved. And until that point comes when every single person in this earth is saved, there will always be a shortage of Christians. There always is a shortage of Christians, but there is no shortage of lost people. We must understand that. That's what Jesus was illustrating. I love how Jesus talked to his disciples. Kind of like, like you got to talk to me. you got to kind of bring it down so I can understand you. He said, look, the harvest, look at all that. There's plenty of it. But these people over here, it's just not enough. Why is that so important? Because what happens is if you have a harvest out there, you don't have enough people to get the harvest. There's a lot of it, there's a lot of it that goes to waste. Listen, this, this past spring, we had a lot of time on our hands. And I said, I'm going to do a garden. We planted a garden, and I learned a lesson. I didn't need 15 tomato plants, <laughs> pepper plants. But man, they were just poof, 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 poof. They were coming up left and right. Well, started off strong. Holston would get them, I would get them, but I couldn't get out there. 
I couldn't get out there to get them. And I'd go out there and look, and there'd be a rotten tomato and tomatoes on the ground and peppers and all this other stuff. There wasn't enough laborers to get all the harvest off of my tomato plants and my pepper plants. And so they were falling down, and they were wasting, and they were going bad because, why wow, we couldn't get out there and get them all. That's why God has called you and said, we need laborers. Pray for laborers. There's plenty of harvest out there, but we need laborers that come into the house of God ready to serve a God who has saved them, sanctified them, redeemed them, and brought them into the fold. Amen. We need laborers more than ever. We need people to share the gospel message of Christ. And that need is always great. Jonah, the cause of the problem, needed to be awake, trying to help them resolve the problems. Jonah knew what needed to be done. Jonah knew, I know, Jonah knew what needed to be done. He knew that he was running from God. That's why he went down to the bottom of the ship. He didn't want to have to confront the sailors or the other people on the boat. He said, I'm just going to go away from everybody, out of sight, out of mind. Guess what? This will blow over. Well, it didn't blow over. They was about to tip over. They needed a super hand, supernatural hand of God to move upon that situation. And there was one man, one man that could act. Come on, there was one man that could activate that, and he was asleep. Many Christians knows what needs. Many Christians know what needs to be done, but refuse to do it, or they're waiting on someone to tell them what to do. No one should have to ask you to serve the Lord that has just radically transformed your life. We ought to have, now I get we got to grow and mature in the Lord, but man, when we get saved, we ought to say, Lord, where will I go? Isaiah said, here I am, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me, Lord. I'll go. Where do you want me to go? I'll go. I'll serve. I'll do it. That's what we need in the church today. Number five, sleeping Christians are in danger. Jonah chapter one, verse six. And so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou? O sleeper, arise and call upon thy God. Look at that G in that God. It's a capital G. Listen, if it, and if so be that God will think upon us and that we perish not. He said, call upon your God, the God who created all of the heavens, all of the earth. Listen, this story of Jonah speaks of the sovereignty and the majesty and the power of God. Because not only did he speak to people, he spoke to the creation. Amen. He spoke to the great fish. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the sea. And he said, they said, get up. Jonah, get up. Call upon your God. Call upon your God that he would remember us. That he would remember us that we wouldn't die. Jonah was in danger and didn't even know it. When we run from God in disobedience, I said this earlier, the only way to go is, is go down. But keep in, keep in mind that Jonah, I love this, Jonah was running from God. Jonah was running from God, but God put him in a situation where we would eventually have to call on that God. He put that shipmaster in his place. And that shipmaster came to him, and he asked this question, and this is the question that we should ask. Oh, sleeper, what meanest thou? He looked at Jonah, he said, let me translate that for you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Do you not know that we're about to drown? We're about to lose this ship? Everything, the Bible even says that when Jonah came back up there, they began to row real fast and try to get to shore. It wasn't happening. Why are you asleep, Jonah? Oh, sleeper, what meanest thou? How could you sleep in a situation like this? You didn't even know you was in danger because you was down here fast asleep. No care in the world. Well, everybody else is up here about to die. 
Why are you doing this, Jonah? One word, sin. Sin. Why are you doing this, Jonah? Sin. Why do we find ourselves in situations that we do a lot of the time, not all the time, sin? If you look at your life and you've distanced yourself from God, you've distanced yourself from the people of God, a lot of times you can relate that back to sin. You've let the, the devil infiltrate your life with doubt and with lies. Listen, when the pandemic hit and every, all the churches went online, listen, I've talked to church pastors all across this area, all across the Birmingham metro area, and their attendance has decreased significantly. There are those who can't and don't need to come to church because of their health conditions, and they stay at home and watch it online, and I'm so thankful we have that opportunity. But there are those Christians, listen to me, that were on the fence. They were like, ah, oh, should I go, should I not go? And the pandemic hit, and they said, I'm out. So easy. I'm just going to sit back and watch it online. And next thing you know, they're not even watching it online no more. They're traveling up here and going here and doing this and doing that because they've let the devil infiltrate their life. Doubts and lies. And what happened is they begin to distance themselves from God and the people of God. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've watched it in people that I know so good, so close to. I've watched it happen in their life. The dangerous tactic of a devil is to lull God's people to sleep and to become inactive and, listen, ineffective for the kingdom of God. That is the word. When he lulls you to sleep and you separate yourself from God and God's people, you become inactive and ineffective for the kingdom of God. And that's not what God has called you to do. Everything we do should give glory to the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The devil loves a Christian who saves, who is saved and sits. Loves it. Loves it. Because you ain't doing nothing for the kingdom of God. You're not making any impact on the kingdom of God, and he has you right where you right, right where he wants you to be. I can testify to this that when we let sin back into our lives, it has a damping in a, on the effectiveness of our divine purpose. There's no doubt in my mind when you let sin back in your life. It dampens, y'all can go ahead and come here. It dampens the effectiveness of our witness and our testimony as Christians. I find it interesting. I find it so interesting that the person responsible for this storm had the least concern. They were in the bottom of the ship asleep. They had the least concern. He didn't, he didn't care. It wasn't until the shipmaster came down there and woke him up and said, Hey, would you come up here and call to your God? Will you come up here and cry out to your God? That he may save us and remember us that we shouldn't perish? Do you remember when Jesus was in the, uh, in, in the, uh, asleep in the boat? And his disciples began to get worried. They began to get frantic. And he woke up and said, ye of little faith. Right? Jesus was sleeping because he was tired. Right? But they didn't have faith because Jesus told them they need to go to the other side. And the disciples should have known that. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They're going to make it to the other side. Jonah got called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh needed the message of Lord. He needed, they needed the message of forgiveness and the message of repentance. They needed it. God was going to work upon the Ninevites. And he was picked Jonah to go. There he is in the bottom of the ship asleep. There the sailors are frantic. They wake him up. We're about to die. Will you call upon your God? Will you help him? Will you get him to help us? Listen, this message is not against sleep. Our rest should be found in Christ and His presence. I'm pretty sure that you are all aware of the evil among us today. You're aware of the need of the gospel message of hope to reach the lost. Listen, why are we asleep? Why are we asleep? 
Many people say, well, Andrew, I'm just so tired. I come home and I'm so tired. I don't, I don't get a chance to read my Bible because I have to get up early in the morning and I'm running behind and I do this. Listen, I, I'm so tired that I sleep late and I don't get a chance to pray. Listen, church, I'm going to tell you this right now. We want to talk about the government. We want to talk about the president. We want to talk about our community. We want to talk about our nation. Let's talk about the church. The Bible says this right here, that judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. Before we go on out talking about everything else in the world, we need to talk about the condition of the church. How can we be effective? How can we make a change in the world when we're just sitting here asleep and slumbering? We need to wake up, church. We need to get back to doing what God's called us to do, seeking Him, praying, reading, sharing, and going out into the nations and going out into the communities and going out and sharing the message of hope. Listen, if they're listening online and they've distanced themselves from God and they've gotten away from church, I pray that God would convict them and bring them back into church. The Bible says, For forsake not the assembling of saints, that we should gather together all the more as that day approaches. And I pray that they would hear this message and say, You know what? I need to be back in church. Bless God, we got children's church. Now, you can bring them too. I'd love to have them. We got nursery. We got everything you need to come in here to church to worship and to fellowship with the people of God. There's no reason why you shouldn't be here. But sin has crept into your life, lulled you asleep, lulled you away from God. Now you're just sitting there, and the devil has you right where you want. United States of America looks like another solid line. We are sung to sleep by philosophies that save the trees and kill the children. And while we're lying in the dark, there's a shout heard across the eastern sky. For the bridegroom has returned and carried his bride away in the night. America, what will we miss while we're sleeping? Will Jesus come again and leave us slumbering as we lay? America, we will go down in history as a nation for no room for his king. Will we be sleeping? I love my country. I love my community. I love my family. But if I want to have any lasting effect on them, if I want to be effective in their life, I must first love the call of God on my life. Will you be found sleeping? How much more will it take for you to wake up? As our homes and our families and our lives, thousands of unborn children being murdered every single day, I don't need to tell you. You know what's going on in the world. Will we wake up? we become effective for the kingdom of God. Father, we ask that you be with us this time. As we begin the invitation time, God, I pray, I, I pray, God, that you would move upon these people. God, you spoke to me through this message months ago when I pinned it down. God, you sparked that fire. And God, now, I don't have it perfected, but God, I want to make a difference. The only way I know that I can make a difference is through you. And that difference is eternal. God, help us to be children of God who are obedient to your word, who, who don't run from the call, who don't slumber and sleep and fade away from the people, and more importantly, from you. God, help us to wake up, to be sober, be vigilant, watching and praying always in everything that we do. And God, I pray if there's someone in here this morning that's never said, 
Lord, would you be my Lord and Savior? God, would you come into my life and save me? God, I pray that you would just press on their heart that they know they can cry out to you this morning and receive the greatest gift that was ever given to anybody. That is the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, you are so good. God, help us to wake up. Help us to do what you have called us to do. May we give you the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name. Stand with us as we sing.